0: Um, I feel like every time I'm up here, I need to introduce myself. My name's Garrett. I'm the director at Wolverine Christian Service Camp, um, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what happened this past summer. Um, we had a really exciting time. But first, before I forget, i got to get something uh, out there right away. Uh, my two summer staff are here, and they drove like an hour and a half to, to come watch me speak, and they thought I was going to mention them in my sermon, and I wasn't, but now I am, and they're wonderful. So that's out there and over with. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Um, So, uh, if you're not familiar with with Wolverine Christian Service Camp, um, we were founded uh, mid-70s, been around for almost 50 years now, um, with the goal of impacting lives for eternity. Um, And this is my second... Actual summer of running camp. I've been there for three years, um, but we didn't do anything in 2020, and I'll I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, But I've had such a privilege of um, seeing that mission statement of impacting lives for eternity lived out this past summer. Um, It was an incredibly exciting year um, for kingdom work and to see kids just have a blast and get loved on. So like I said, uh, 2020, we weren't able to hold camp because of the pandemic, Um, restrictions were pretty tight. Uh, But what that did allow us to do is plan some really, really cool stuff for this year. Um, And uh, I'm gonna talk about a a couple of those programs. Um, So uh, one of the most encouraging things Real quick, that I just want to touch on, uh, that we got to witness this year um, was an actual increase in campers by almost 40, 40 students um, from our 2019 season, um, which is it's super cool. Um, not only for the camp, but also for the kingdom. Uh, we're we're growing that much, and and the gospel message was be uh, was able to be shared to that many more kids, um, especially in an industry that over the past few years we've seen a a, a big decline in, in in Christian summer camps. Um, most camps this year were running at about half capacity, so to see an increase of about that much was really, really encouraging, um, and I, I put a lot of that credit on some of these new programs that we were able to run. Um, in addition to, uh, I'll, I'll touch on this in just a second, but in addition to the, the 40 new campers that we had this year, 40 more campers, um, we also saw 11 baptisms um, throughout the course of the summer, which was super, super exciting. Yeah, that, that deserves some applause. That was really cool. Um, so uh, I I had an opportunity to talk here um, just a couple months ago before we ran our summer programming just about some of these new programs and how excited we were about them, um, kind of apprehensive about trying out some new stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to be able to talk about some of those new programs. Um, but we kicked out the summer with our third through fifth grade camp. That's been kind of the first camp that we run, um, and it was really exciting. Uh, so our we ran our third through fifth grade camp. We also ran a brand new horse camp that week, and we, we had the opportunity to have a dance camp um, that same week at camp, and with all three of those camps combined, um, we were able to, to host about 47 kids for that one week of camp, which was super cool, really exciting for our first week of camp, a lot of energy, um, the kids had a great time, um, and the, the two camps that we run, ran alongside of it, um, was, they, they worked seamlessly with that programming. There's some obvious tweaks that need to be made, um, but it worked really, really well to, to bring out some kids that might not have come out to hear a gospel message other than um, these sp- uh, specialty camps that we offered. Um, and in that week alone, I think we had I'd almost 10 of those baptisms, which was really, really cool to see um, at the end of that week to celebrate all those those kids. Um, so uh, I just wanna touch on a couple of those specific camps that we ran that week. Um, Horse Camp, this was the first year that we had an opportunity to run that. Um, we partnered with an organization called Horses of Hope. Um, if you guys are familiar with that, it's it's really close by. Um, Jackie Stone, who runs the place, is absolutely wonderful. She, she has a true passion for kids and a, a serious passion for God. Um, and it, that was evident in the way that she helped out with this. Um, Beth Cooper was the dean for that um, and uh, it was it was really cool so for about three hours in the morning uh, we would send uh, the group of campers over there um, and they would get some hands on time with the animals learning how to take care of them and eventually towards the end of the week learning how to ride them um, and the gospel message that comes along with taking care of these animals. There's so many things to be learned um, from just caring for these horses and the other animals that are out there um, which I wasn't aware of but I mean Jackie knows was all about. She was was absolutely wonderful. Um, Something exciting about that camp is we had capped registration at about 15, um, and it filled up. Uh, And then we had a couple more people register, uh, and I have a really hard time saying no to kids that want to come to camp. So I talked with the deans, I talked with Jackie, um, and we actually went over capacity for that week of camp, which was really cool. So in the future, I think we're going to actually run a couple of those weeks of camp um, just because of the turnout from that. So that was really, really cool. Um, Along with that, we also were able to run a dance camp. Um, And so for that time that the horse campers were away uh, at Horses of Hope, the the dance campers, um, they cleared out a bunch of chairs in the sanctuary um, and they worked on some skills for for those couple hours. Um, And that was really, really cool as well. Uh, Jessica ran that week um, and it was really neat to see these people who had uh, a skill that they were trained in be able to instill in these campers um, some of these skills and some of this knowledge. Um, And again, uh, it worked so seamlessly with that third through Fifth grade camp, I'm really excited to be able to run some of these smaller camps again in the future. Um, our goal with some of these smaller camps is to draw in kids that might not have an interest in a normal week at Wolverine. Um, so with the horse camp, with the dance camp, with with hopefully some more camps in the future. Um, there's an interest, there's a hobby that we can meet these campers at, um, and then uh, use the gospel to kind of bridge that gap. Um, so, uh, I, like I said, I, I do want to credit a lot of our increase in attendance this year to some of these smaller camps that we were able to run. Um, right after that first week of camp, where we had about 47 kids, uh, almost 10 baptisms, super exciting. Uh, we went, into the woods. We spent, oh good, this, I, this is great. This is, we spent a week uh, on the Asable River with some senior high students. Um, and uh, the goal of this trip was uh, leadership development, spiritual leadership development. Um, and uh, it was not an easy trip. You can ask Hope and you can ask Jenna. Uh, we paddled almost 80 miles in about five days on the Asabo River. Uh, some of those days being like seven hours long in a canoe paddling downstream. Um, and this was, believe it or not, was this like this was like fifteen minutes after we launched, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was like right off the bat, we got all the all the nasty stuff out of the way, and I think we only flipped one other canoe, if I remember, right um. But uh, a really, really cool opportunity for these kids to experience something that maybe they hadn't before. Um, but I, I, the, the best part about this trip was in the morning, after we would wake up and kind of get around, eat some breakfast, uh, we would spend about 30 to 45 minutes in the Word. Um, and we had some Devos that we would go through. Um, and it was really, really cool to see these kids uh, dig into Scripture. And then at the end of the day, after we had done, were done paddling, uh, eaten dinner, kind of set up camp. Um, we would discuss that we would we would take time around the campfire and and, and talk about what we had pulled out of scripture in the morning um, and it was probably some of the best conversations and discussions that I've had in a, a trip like this um, so uh, I'm really excited about running another one of these um, I was pumped because I got to go and I was I was fed just as much as the the campers were um, we did have uh, some really inclement weather like one day um, little lightning on the river and aluminum canoes is terrifying, especially when one of them is upside down and you're trying to pull everything out. Uh, But God provided He took care of us. We were all safe. Um, It was a wonderful time. So fingers crossed we're going to run that one again next year. Um, The last thing I want to touch on from this past season uh, is our our nature camp. Um, If you guys have ever had an opportunity to come out to nature camp before, it's really, really fun. Um, uh, It's something that I'm super passionate about. Um, It is such a cool medium to teach kids about a creator who loves them and how we fit into all of this. Uh, this year, uh, we had the most campers we've ever had between our two weeks of nature camp. We, ran, we run two, two separate weeks, so a third through sixth grade camp, and then a seventh through 12th grade camp. And between the two, we had 52 campers come out there, which is really, really exciting. Um, normally, with those combined, we'll have about 20. So we saw a huge increase this past year, which was super cool. Because of that, uh, We're looking to actually make a new space for them in the camp. Um, Where they're at now is a little bit small. Uh, It is near some kind of low, wet areas, so the mosquitoes they love nature camp. Uh, Fresh meat for two weeks, man. They feed off these kids. Um, So we're looking to kind of shift it to a place that's elevated a little bit more, that has a little bit more space and talking with one of our nature campers that has been coming for years and years. um, He's actually working on his Eagle Scout project right now and he's hoping to assist in moving nature camp and building some permanent structures. Uh, So the hope is we'll shift nature camp back in the woods somewhere different, a little bit higher. Uh, We're gonna build hopefully a pavilion, uh, some hard-sided shelters uh, for the kids to sleep in. Right now they're in tents. And tents work great for short term, um, but week after week, year after year, uh, they start to wear down and they're disposable really. Um, So some hard-sided shelters for them to sleep in um, and then a real deal bathroom somewhere out there. this is a super cool problem to have. Uh, too many kids for a space. I'll take that problem any day of the week. Um, so uh, if you guys would like to help support this project, uh, this this camper is raising a lot of the funds himself, but I would love to be able to match whatever he has raised. Um, you can go to wolverinechristiancamp.com backslash donate, um, and there's just a form on there, and you can put in where, where you want the funds to go. Um, but uh, this, I, I think seeing the explosion of campers that we've had this year going from weeks of about 20 or 30 to upwards of 50 um, this year uh, i would love to have a permanent space for them um, something a little bit where they can stretch their legs with 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 some structures out there so all in all this past season um honestly it was it was a wonderful time we had our snags sure um but i need to give credit where credit's due uh i I facilitate a lot, I organize, um, but really the, the hands and feet of these programs are the deans and the staff um, and the people that come in for a week uh, that, that don't get paid for this, they're volunteers, um, they're the ones that are really putting in the legwork for this. Uh, if you've ever helped out with a week of camp before, you probably are aware of what goes into it, but if you haven't, um, this is countless hours spent leading up to this week of camp. Um, time. Uh, after work, planning, prepping games, um, asking people to to fill certain roles uh, it 's not just a week in the summertime. Um, so these deans I, truly that the onus is on them they 're the, they're the ones that carry this camp, um, and I say all this just to kind of give you an idea of what it takes to run a week. Um, Not to puff myself up at all, because I I know where I fall uh, in in the the hierarchy. Um, I just create a space for these deans to run really good weeks of camp. Um, Truly, leading up to camp, for about the two months beforehand, I'm an absolute nervous wreck. I'm I'm sweaty. I worry. I don't sleep. Uh, I'm fretting all day long. I may seem very cool and calm and collected, uh, but if you ask my wife, it is a different story. She will tell you uh, I'm, I'm no fun to be around. Um, and I, I know I'm not probably the only one that's worrying about this program. She's probably just confirmed that, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she did. Uh, I, and I'm sure leading up to camp, I'm not the only one that's worried about this. We have the deans, and we have the staff that are coming in that have been prepping weeks like this, uh, almost all year. I have meetings next week to plan for 2022. Um, so with all this build-up to, to make sure that their week goes off without a hitch, um, you, You do get nervous. You do worry a little bit, Um, and even outside of camp, um, we all have worries, don't we? We all have concerns, uh, whether it be health or finances. I mean, honestly, it it could come from—I mean, so many different facets of our life. Um, Am I the only one that worries? I just want to gauge. No, okay. I see a lot of. Okay, thank you. All right, because if I was, this sermon would be for me, and you guys could just tune out for a little bit. so, I, I mean, I, I talked about all these different areas that, that worry comes into our lives, fear the unknown, unpredictability of life, um, unmet and unrealistic expectations, uh, countless other issues. Worry is one of those things that uh, I think if you have a pulse, you deal with, right, on a pretty consistent basis. And our worries to us all seem so real, like that is, it is the problem, and this is what I must fret about. Um, What's really cool and fortunate for us uh, with a Savior like Jesus is that he has lived a life uh, just like us. He has come to earth and he has suffered and he has gone through all the same, th- same things that we have. Hebrews 4.15 says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. That's really comforting. I, I, read, that, I read that verse and I'm it, it eases me a little bit. Um, we're going to be in Luke 12 today, so if you guys want to flip over your Bible, uh, we're just going to read through um, 22 through 34. Uh, and, and this is kind of Jesus talking about worry and anxiety uh, and just how much he has us covered. Um, so Luke 12, starting in verse 22, says this. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body. What you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap, they don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add one moment of his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God closed the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't strive for what you should eat, what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Something that I think I sometimes get hung up on uh, in this specific passage is the specific examples of worries. Um, I don't know about you, I don't, I don't have to worry about food, I don't worry about clothing, um, And for some of us, maybe we do worry about those things. Uh, But for most, I think our compounded list of worries feel more complex. They feel a little more complicated uh, than what it was that Jesus was talking here. Um, Life seems a little stickier nowadays than it did then. Um, So I read this passage and I think, did Jesus have my life in mind, Garrett, in 2021? These complicated things that we're dealing with, Uh, it might be car accidents or being injured in one or the insurance bills that comes afterwards or the medical or whatever it might be. Um, Getting older, cancer, gas prices, we worry about silly stuff. Criticism from others, losing a job and not being able to find another one. Um, More serious issues like terrorism, uh, what's happening right now overseas. the health and safety of our, our kids and our grandkids? You might listen to that list and say, great, now I have six more things to worry about. <laughs> For that, I apologize. Um, but uh, these these worries that we have, they seem a bit more complicated than what Jesus was talking about, right? Um, Jesus was attempting in this passage uh, to speak to these crowds and, and the disciples at the time uh, in a way that they would understand in the context, these were things that these people would have been worried about. He talks about food. He talks about clothing, worries of the body, uh, physical ailments. Um, the examples really aren't the point. You can, you can get really specific on some of these, um, and that's not truly uh, the, the focal point of some of these. Um, but what we need to be focusing on are the eternal truths that apply to everyone's life, no matter when we lived. Um, See, Scripture, this, I, I love Scripture because it's so applicable over so many different years and situations and contexts. Um, these truths were true in Jesus' day when he was preaching to these people. Uh, they're true now in our lives, and they'll be true in a thousand years from now when life is that much more complicated, right? So if we look at this passage and we strip away examples about ravens and moths and rust. Um, and we, we try and find these truths, um, I believe there are three core principles uh, that are discussed throughout this passage um, that apply to our lives no matter what our worries are. Um, maybe you do worry about food and clothing, uh, and you'll find that Jesus' words apply to you. Maybe you worry about your job or your grown children um, or uh, finances, and you'll find that Jesus' words apply to you. Maybe you worry about terrorist attacks or capital gains or sickness um, or a loved one, and you'll find that the words here in this passage apply to you. Um, Jesus did have our lives in mind when he spoke these words, uh, when he was teaching these people. He knew it would be applicable um, over history, and that's the way God's word is. Uh, That's the way scripture is. It's timeless. They apply no matter what the situation is. So let's get right into it. Uh, Principle number one, worry subtracts from our life. Worry subtracts from our life. This is verse 25 and 26. Jesus says uh, in these two verses, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why worry about the rest? I imagine Jesus thinking about uh, this, uh, this conversation as like a, a math problem. Um, talking about subtracting, um, and he's telling a story, so it's kind of like a word problem. And I hate word problems. We were just talking about word problems with Rob before. Uh, they're the worst. I, I, I don't like them. Um, math is hard enough when there's numbers involved, and then you take the numbers out and you put words in. So I, I, I like to draw out my word, word problems, right? That's how they teach you to do it. You write all, all the information down. So I imagine Jesus is drawing out this word problem uh, for the disciples and, and the people there. Um, so uh, he, he, suppose you're walking through life at five miles per hour towards eternity, which might be 30 years away, um, and someone in your life gets cancer. And you begin to worry, and you begin to cry, and you begin to stress over this. And maybe it's somebody in your life doesn't have cancer, but insert whatever worry you might have into this equation. So here's, here's where the math problem comes in. Here's, here's where we've got to do a little figuring. What have we added to our life by worrying? What have we gained? What benefit? Has it brought into our life? Jesus would say that it hasn't added anything, nothing of value, but instead it's taken away. Worry truly is the enemy of faith. Uh, faith uh, has a lot of enemies, right? Worry, I think, is one that we uh, encounter probably the most frequently. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says this, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Luke 10, um, we read the story of of Martha and Mary and Jesus' teaching. um, And Martha was worried and upset about many things. She's fretting. She's running all over the house making sure everything's nice and and ready for Jesus. Um, And uh, Jesus compliments um, Mary uh, her activities over Martha's. Um, she's sitting and, and listening at his feet. Um, Martha was too worried and stressed to realize well, she's in the presence of the Savior and he's teaching at that moment. Um, and I, I think we all have Martha moments like that. Uh, it subtracts from our life, worry does. Uh, it subtracts faith and trust in God's purposes and will from our lives. It subtracts peace and assurance, um, some, some medical issues it causes. Worry subtract, uh, it subtracts hours of sleep and health. It can cause very, varying physical heart issues. Worry subtracts from your muscles and causes aches and pains. Uh, subtracts from your thought life. can cause memory loss and lead to depression. Now I'm worried about worrying. Worry subtracts from your relationships. It can spread and become frustrating to other people. Uh, it subtracts from your willingness to do and to act. I was a little stressed about preaching today. I did not get great sleep last night. It subtracted sleep from my life. Did I need to worry? Probably not. I I prepped, um, but it's not just a medical opinion or one that Jesus offers only once. Uh, so in the Old Testament, Proverbs twelve twenty five says this: An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Jesus uh, it tells us again, Luke twenty one thirty four. He says, "Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap." Worry is a trap that subtracts from our life and it weighs us down. It doesn't add anything to our lives of note. Jesus points out this eternal principle in this passage as he's teaching the disciples in the crowds uh, and this principle is a universal truth. You can insert, remove, and put in your own worry, whatever it might be, and it's not going to add anything. Um, It simply doesn't help. It subtracts. So that's principle number one. Principle number two God knows, seek him. God knows, seek him. Verses 30 through 32, uh, in Luke 12, he says this, For the Gentile world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. In the movie uh, The Truman Show, Truman Burbank, pl- played by Jim Carrey. Um, he's living his life as all of us do, uh, thinking that nothing is, is odd. He wakes up, he goes to sleep, just another normal day. Uh, un- un- unknown to him, uh, there's, I think in the movie, it says like 5,000 hidden cameras, like watching every single moment of his life, and it's broadcast worldwide. It's a Truman show, uh, if you haven't seen it. Um, so uh, he, he thinks everything is normal, everything is fine, everything is dandy, until he starts to notice little things that are wrong, things that repeat day after day. Uh, And then towards the end of the movie, he he figures it out. Um, There's like a door he opens and leaves. Um, But uh, very similarly to the Truman Show, in a much less creepy way, in a much more caring and loving and benevolent way, um, we are being observed, right? God is watching us uh, every day of our lives. Everything that we do, um, he is uh, paying attention to and he cares about us. Uh, we can't see him, but he, he knows everything that we do. Hebrews 4.13 says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Jesus teaches us uh, in this passage that no matter what the issue is that we're facing, uh, God knows what it is. Um, we serve an all-knowing, all-caring benevolent God who is intimately invested in our lives and knows what we need even before we realize it Um, are you worried about your job or an evaluation coming up God knows about that seek him are you worried about a medical test or a surgery that you need to have God knows seek him Uh, are you worried about the safety of your children or your grandchildren God knows seek him no matter what issue that we, we face or, or trouble that, that we're in or thing that we're fretting about in the future uh, that we think is outside of God's notice or his power to control, we're wrong. We're so wrong. He knows our situations and he asks us to seek him in faith. God's way of faith and provision truly is best. Psalm 139 says this in 20, uh, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, King David, he's praying to God that that he would search his mind, search his heart, and really search all of our hearts um, to find those offensive or anxious thoughts in us and to remove them and to lead him in the way everlasting, God's way. And that's actually the third principle that we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, So first, he teaches us that worry subtracts. Second, uh, to seek him and that God knows our problems. And lastly, he teaches us to mind our hearts. So principle three is mind your heart. This is in verse 34. Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus commands us at the end of this passage about worry, that instead of focusing on these small problems that we might have, instead have an eternal perspective. Uh, We should have our treasure in heaven where it truly matters. We should mind our hearts and align them with him. And this helps to combat that worry that we see directly in front of us day after day. So how do we do that? Jesus wants us to mind our hearts and to actively push worry away. But how do we do that in the midst of worrying about a pandemic? or our insurance bill, or the job interview, or the loss of benefits at work, or the blood test results, or the cost of a CAT scan, or the 16 million other things that come to mind whenever you have a free second to let your brain just wander? How do we do that? First of all, I think we need to make up our mind to trust God and allow him to change us, all right? That's a big step, trusting in God and knowing who he is and allowing him to change us. Psalm 94, 17 through 19 says this, Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. We are to make up our minds that worry will not take us to this silence of death, but we are to verbally and mentally make up our mind that our support comes from God and will allow his joy to take hold in our heart. This isn't something easy. This is a constant decision that needs to be made day in and day out and affirm that God will direct our hearts uh, and that we'll let his joy reign. And this is how people of faith deal with situations uh, that would cripple those that don't have this trust, that don't have a belief in something higher uh, or the safety of a Savior who loves them so much. You see, sometimes God will change the worrisome situation And other times, he changes us in the midst of a worrisome situation. He works both ways. Secondly, we need to be a people of prayer. There is no substitute or alternative to falling on your knees before the creator of the universe and expressing that concern and telling him your worries and what it is that has been weighing heavy on your heart. He commands us to do it. Uh, when we're stressed and overwhelmed, God commands us to come to him and lay our concerns before him. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 reminds us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The promise in Philippians 4 uh, and the one in Psalm 94 is almost the same thing. When we make up our mind to trust God uh, and allow Him to change us, and we come to Him in prayer, He fills our heart with joy and peace and an understanding that pushes out that worry. Worry doesn't have any place in the heart of one filled with God given joy, holy peace, and a divine perspective. Remember that eternal perspective. We're minding our hearts. Third, we must add self control and a willingness to constantly come to God in the midst of worry. For some of us, this process uh, of making up our minds and coming to him in prayer might be a one-time thing. You just decide, and then everything's fine after that. Okay, For the rest of us, it is a constant battle. We need to do this over and over and over daily. We must continually ask God for, ask God for his strength and joy and patience in our life because it doesn't come from us. It certainly doesn't come from Garrett, um, I need that outside of myself. We must continually be on top of our thought life and prayer life because Satan is waiting to throw worry into our life at every single corner. Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And even more right now, right? So I told you at the uh, beginning of this sermon about how nervous I was leading up to this camp season. Stressed out. Couldn't sleep. But I wanted to tell you a really cool story uh, that happened early on in the camp season. Um, Despite all of my own Concern and my own anxiety. Um, so before camp, uh, we uh, I, I like to visit all the churches um, that support the camp and um, just kind of get them excited about what's to come. Tell them about the new programming. Um, get them get them pumped about camp and maybe register a couple campers while I'm there. Um, and this past year, uh, my dad came around with me uh, to almost all the churches. He was here. You guys might remember him, older gentleman, frog hat. You saw him. You know who he is. Um, So one of the first churches that we visited, uh, I had given my talk. It was after the service. I was talking to some people in the lobby, and my dad was having a separate conversation. Um, And I I didn't hear any anything about what he was talking talking to this woman about. Um, But uh, fast forward about two and a half months to the end of our first week of camp, Um, my sleepless nights, my restless days. all these things that I've been stressing about, making sure every little thing is in place for these weeks of camp, there's been something taking place outside of that. And I was so focused on, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get there. Uh, So last week of camp, uh, or first week of camp, excuse me, last day, uh, we're, we're out underneath the pavilion. It's storming, it's raining. We have a horse trough that we've just had about eight campers baptized in, um, and everyone is celebrating, so many people out there, and I'm standing up on a picnic table with my phone, taking a video of somebody uh, getting baptized, um, and while I'm standing on this picnic table uh, recording someone getting baptized, uh, someone taps me on the leg, and I look down, and there's this woman there. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Let me, let me get down. I'm not going to talk to you in front of this picnic table. So I get down, and uh, she tells me, she, she asks, are you, the, are you the director of the camp, or do you work here? And I was like, I do, yeah. And she said, I think you and your dad uh, came to our church and talked about camp. And I had asked what church it was, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was there. I did talk about camp, and my dad was there, and he did wear a frog hat, yes. Um, she proceeded to tell me that about a conversation that she had with my father uh, about two and a half months ago. Um, she had asked him to be praying for her daughter um, and her granddaughter, who neither of which were churched, um, and the granddaughter uh, wasn't saved. Um, and she said, please be praying for them uh, until the camp season starts. I'm going to be uh, paying for my granddaughter to be able to come to camp. And then she tells me that the little girl that just got baptized was her granddaughter. Um, and this was, this was all outside of what I was so focused on, these little tiny things um, that, were, that had me so worked up. God had some true kingdom work to do. Right, he was, he, he was looking out for this girl. Um, he was doing things in her life uh, that I was so focused on, uh, these little itty-bitty things that I was so stressed about. Um, this, this, this type of things happens all, all the time, uh, every day around us. We're, we get so honed in on things that, that we make into mountains, right? Um, and God is truly doing some work around us. Um, I think Isaiah 55, 8 through 11 says it best. Uh, and I'll end on this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth and shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Let's pray.